It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Is it to dry sidle? He'll go towards the net. Rolled off his stick. Here's Keith. Scores. Duncan Keith went to the front of the net and pokes it home. Duncan Keith's first goal as a member of the Edmonton Oilers turns out to be the game winner tonight. Career game number 1,200 for Keith, by the way. The Oilers are 7-1 thanks to a 5-2 victory over the Seattle Kraken. Leon Dreisaitl all over the score sheet. Two goals and two assists this evening. Another good performance from Miko Koskinen. He makes 27 saves. He's 5-1 on the season with a 9.33 save percentage. Rob Brown passed the calamari. <laughs> Past the calamari. It's a squid dish, you know. Oh, is that something to do with the kraken? It sure is, Rob. I didn't know what kraken ate. Now I know calamari. No, that's what you make out of squid. Anyway. <laughs> Are we talking about well, squid game again? The show was off and running, everybody. We hit the wall quickly. I did have uh, calamari the other night at dinner, so, I mean, that's what I thought we were going at. Uh, this was a night that the Oilers uh, were a little sloppy. And got bailed out by their superstar, Leon Dreisettle, and their goaltending, and Miko Koskinen. Both of them were excellent tonight. Another good start for Koskinen. Uh, there were a couple times where the Seattle Kraken pushed. The second period, they dominated that period, and uh, Koskinen gave them a solid start. Uh, not every game is going to be picture perfect, but at the end of the day, what are the others now? 7-1 and one on the season. That's a heck of a start when you're trying to push for not only a playoff spot, but now you're thinking division title and conference title. Good start to the year for the Edmonton Oilers. Kind of a strange game the way it played out. The Oilers only had four shots in the first period. Seattle had six, but Edmonton led 2-1. And the Oilers didn't get their 10th shot of the game till late in the second period. They got, uh, I think, three shots in the final minute of the period. And then they were the better team, I think, for most of the third, even though they still gave up two or three grade-A chances. I mean, I, again, Koskinen... I would give him probably six saves tonight that I would classify as very good or excellent. Mm -hmm. And this has nothing to do with Koskinen. If they're going to shoot wide, they're going to shoot wide. But the Kraken missed the net by my count on four, maybe even five chances that if weren't if they weren't grade A, again, they, they were very good. So the Oilers' skill won out in the end, but they were a little bit too s sloppy. I mean, there were some open looks for the Kraken that you're not going to give up. You, d you don't want to give up against better teams. No, you're right. There's about four or five times tonight where the Oilers had the puck below their own goals goal line, threw it up the middle, right onto a stick of a Seattle Kraken player, and had to be bailed out by Koskinen. Uh, yeah, it was uh, sloppy. The Seattle comes in, they work hard, they, they frustrate you, they play strong defensive hockey. Uh, the problem for them this year has been, well, they're not going to score a lot of goals. And if you're not going to score, you got to get good goaltending. And they didn't get that again tonight. Uh, five goals on, what is it, 23 shots. That's not good enough. That's not going to win you hockey games. Uh, and, it, and it's frustrating. You saw a little deflate late in the game. 
uh, by the, the the Kraken, who up until that they they felt they had a chance in this hockey game. The fifth goal really deflated them. But Koskinen was good. Uh, the, there's a great example of a goalie giving you a big save at the right moment. It's three two. Everly has a breakaway. Koskinen makes a save the very next shift. The Oilers come down and score to make it 4-2. That's huge. Uh, if Everly scores, it's 3-3, and all of a sudden there's huge life and belief on that Seattle Kraken bench. So Koskinen, another good start for him. And Leon Dreisettle, well, he's tied for the scoring lead in the National Hockey League. Wonderful night for him. Yeah, that was the key sequence in the game, really. That mm -hmm. was 17 seconds apart Yep. from possibly being 3-3 to then the Oilers being 4-2, and it Pretty that's much too much, over. yes. That's yeah. too much for a Seattle team to come back from from two goals down. Uh, you, We talked before the game that the Oilers need to get a lead in this game and force Seattle to catch, and that's what they did. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. This family's waiting. Let's not keep them waiting. I knew I knew there were some issues with them somewhere. Well, Dave, uh, there are lots of milestones tonight, but aside from that, what did you think of, of the way your team played in, in, in the game tonight? I thought Drysaddle's line was really good. I thought Keith and CeCe were good, and I thought Miko was good. We won. We were opportunistic. We capitalized on some chances, and we uh, found a way to get two points. There are a lot of players kind of missing in that, in that group. What didn't <laughs> from the from the Really? Yeah. No, nah, we just I, we just uh, just didn't play as well as I'd like to see us play. But that being said, sometimes that happens when you come into a game, but you still find a way to win. You're uh, finding different ways to win. Going back to Vancouver, other nights is that what? What do you see from your team that's allowed you to do that? And what does that speak about the the, the team as a whole? Well, the lot, the Vancouver game on Saturday night, we were way better than we were tonight. Way better, but. Like I say, we were opportunistic. We, we didn't. Uh, we were a little slow tonight. Slow reacting, too much coasting, not enough skating, for my liking. A few good games out of your your goaltender. What have you kind of seen from him uh, since he's come in for for Mike? He made some real good saves. Made some. We gave up some chances that were um, pretty good chances, and he made some big saves when he had to. And that's what you're looking for. With uh, with Yamamoto, what uh, what have you seen from him sort of recently in trying to break through this? What was your message to him and, and your thoughts tonight? His message is keep going. He's doing some things that are you like in the game. He always works. He's competitive, but he's you know at some point you got to start finding some results. So it's good to see him get on the board. I think hopefully that'll loosen up his the grip in his stick a little bit. Feel like he gets going when you got when you got circles in all those columns in the in the scoring chances or in the scoring department that weighs on your mind especially as you get going into the season so so he's uh, he got the person behind him hopefully he relaxes and and continues to play well but can start capitalizing on some more opportunities yeah from what you've seen of him uh, is he I mean still a pretty young player and they can yeah. maybe ride that confidence wave through the highs and lows Do you, have you noticed yeah that? well as he I mean this is his uh, Really, his third year now, right? So it's uh, he's he's been around it long enough. He's got to figure some of those things out. But that being said, his game, he, his inconsistencies aren't young player in, inconsistency anymore. Like he's played enough, he does a lot of things right. But at, at some point, you just got to find a way to be a little more productive, and that's what he's working on.
expected both guys to play quite a bit and there's uh, um, you know Miko same thing happened last year a little bit too where we Smith gets hurt and he jumps in and he takes a load and you know I think uh, just about every game he's played very well the Philadelphia game he probably had a couple he wanted back but other than that it was he's been very solid Dave, just in the back here, uh, Dr. Keith gets his first goal uh, as an Edmonton Oiler. Just wanted to ask you, through training camp, preseason, and the first eight games of the season, he was brought in to be a leader. What are some of the things that some of the other guys can take away from Duncan off the ice that really bodes well for this club? Well, he's, you know, I know he's a veteran guy, but he's in phenomenal shape, takes care of himself, and he's played very well. Like, you watch him play, smart, smart player. And, you know, if some mistakes do get made, if he makes a mistake, he chases it down. He makes sure that he, he's going to take care of business for any mistake that's made. So he's, he's a quick player. Like, you watch him short distances, really quick, really smart. He's just a really good veteran player. And uh, him and CeCe were a good pair for us tonight, really good pair. It's good to see him get rewarded on the 1,200th game. All right. All right. All right, that is live head coach Dave Tippett of your Edmonton Oilers who win tonight 5-2 over the Seattle Kraken. Well, Rob, I saw you smirking at his first <laughs> comment. Dreisleto's line was good. Keith and CeCe were good. Koskinen was good. It, well, it was more or less what we were just talking about, and I fully agree. This was not a great game for the Oilers, and again, not all games are going to be great. There's going to be nights where you, you feel ready, you feel prepared, you get out there and nothing goes right for you, and it, it looked like that at times for the Oilers. They tried creating plays, instead they turned it over, there was misplays. I mean, Keith, who was good tonight, but I, th I think it was he, the, he was the one that Everly and he got tangled up on the, the boards, and Everly goes in on a breakaway as Keith falls down. Sometimes that happens, but I agree. I thought the Leon Dreisaitl line was excellent tonight. And I thought the pairing of CeCe and Keith were good. And at the and the back end, Koskinen gave the Oilers the goaltending they needed because there was times where Seattle uh, carried the play. And the Oilers have enough skill. They were able to extend the lead and, and stay in front. But that was because Koskinen was so good in net. So uh, a game where you're happy that you get two points, but the coach is also going to say, all right, boys, we got to be better because the next team we're playing has a little more talent up front. No doubt about our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. Kyler Yamamoto is on the score sheet. It's got to feel good. Oh, it does. Uh, and, and it is funny. Tippett said it, and I, I've, I've lived it, where you... We have get these sheets between periods and after every game, and it has all the stats. And in the dressing rooms, they always get it. It's usually about 10 pages long. But the very first page you get on your stat sheets is both teams, their players, and it has their stats all the way across. And as an offensive player, the last thing you ever want to see beside your name is six games, zero, zero, zero goals, assists, points. And that's what Yamamoto had. And it weighs on you. And it, and it doesn't matter if you're a, a first-year player, third-year player like Yamamoto or a 15th-year player. You're brought in for a certain reason. Now, Yamamoto does a bunch of other good things, but he's on the second line playing with a former MVP and a former scoring champion. He can have zeros beside his name. So that is a big goal for Yamamoto. 
hopefully that'll carry him forward. Uh, the pressure's off now. When he looks at it, he's scored this year. And it's funny how quickly things can change. He just went seven, well, he went six games without a point. He has a chance if he scores next game to put a goal-scoring streak together. And that's the way you have to think. You have to tell your mind that so that you can start thinking in a positive way. So uh, that line was good tonight and look for better things next game. Okay, the shots on goal, that was a story tonight. The Oilers wind up with 23. They were outshot 29-23. Our set-the-line feature where we're going to give somebody a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. River Cree Resort and Casino, excitement bet on it. We set the line for McDavid's shots on goal tonight over under five and a half. Mm-hmm. I he, picked under. And he was under. Mm-hmm. He got four, and Tom texted in the River Cree under before the game. He may have been the only person to text in <laughs> under because Kellen, Kellen texted me and said, uh, we're not getting any unders. So Tom went under. He's getting the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Oh, Tom and I are going to enjoy a night The, the Oilers, might, as a team, might have, they were in danger of well, being under five and a half for the game for a while. <laughs> About halfway through the second period, I think they were at five. So uh, they did pick it up a bit as the game went on. And that's what happens with skilled teams. Uh, you can only hold them down so much. And if you don't capitalize, and Seattle didn't, then they have to pressure and they have to take chances a little bit more. And when you take chances, you give offensive skilled players uh, better opportunities and the Oilers were able to make them pay. Well, we'll, we'll see where it goes for the crack. And they're now 3-6-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get to see them last night, but Mooner watched the game and said th- they played hard, but just eventually the Rangers won. I mean, John Shannon referenced the, the shots last night that the Rangers didn't get a ton. Yeah, I watched I watched the shot at that point. I think at one point, the after, halfway through the third period, they had 11 shots on net. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but we've, the, I mean, this is the thing. Vegas was so exciting a few years ago, but they are the exception. Most NHL expansion teams have been hardworking teams without a, to- a ton of skill, sometimes a good goalie, and I think mm-hmm. Grubauer will be that for Seattle, though his stats aren't huge yet this year. Um, but the better teams will say, okay, you know, we can still beat them 3-2 because we can get the third most nights and they're not going to have the ability to get that. Well, yeah, and I think most expansion teams, they try to pick strong defensive teams because there's not a lot of stars that are being left uh, out there to the, for you to steal in the waiver or in, in, the, in the draft. So you're trying to pick a team that you can win a game 2-1. But to do that, you have to have good goaltending. And Grubauer is a good goaltender, but they, the Seattle Kraken hasn't got goal, good goaltending yet this season. Uh, Grubauer, his save percentage, it was under 9... 896 yes. coming in. And tonight, Decord played, he got, it's 906 coming into the game, and it's going to be under 900 as well. He was not strong in tonight's game. So when you're a team that's trying to win a game 2-1 or 3-2, and your goaltenders are saving, you know... 89% of the shots, you're not going to win. So until they get good goaltending, they're not going to be a playoff hockey club. And the problem for the Seattle Kraken, and people who are hoping would, and thinking maybe they can push for a spot, Vegas is starting to play better, and they're going to get healthy. The Calgary Flames are surprising a lot of people. All of us, and the Oilers are off to a fantastic start. The three spots for playoffs are, are, are looking a little uh, more tenuous for the Kraken to be one of those teams, especially getting off to a slow start. So the Seattle Kraken, I think, 
had hoped to surprise some teams early in the season, but I think their goaltending has just let them down a bit. 5-2, the Oilers win it tonight. So the Japanese Village Goal Light is on on 630Ched.com. You can go there and print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. All right, we're happy to hear from you tonight. Of course, 780-496-0063. You'll hear from Koskinen, Yamamoto, Keith, and Dreisaitl in our postgame. It's Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Wing for short side of the net. Wimberg put it on net. Save made by Koskinen. Got it with a left pad. Good stop there by Koskinen. Miko Koskinen, good game. That's his save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Oilers beat the Kraken 5-2. Edmonton is 7-1. They're going to host Nashville on Wednesday. Rangers are here Friday. That's the Kevin Lowe number retirement game. The doors will open at 444. The ceremony is going to start at 545. We'll be on the air at 5 o'clock for the 730 game. We're going to bring you the full ceremony live. Ken says, hey, guys, can we please talk about the Tanev hit on shore? I don't think I've seen a more comically bad missed call. <laughs> I feel as the Oilers' power play continues to dominate more, and that means the refs are going to miss more blatant calls. Right now, it's not hurting them, but it will eventually. It's a bad pattern. That's from Ken. Well, that's what I, I, I talked to you at the end of the first period, and I was mad at the end of the first period. They called the penalty on uh, Giordano on uh, Leon Dreisaitl. And later in the game, they'd actually had, I think it was Schwartz was going to get a penalty against Connor McDavid. Both times, the players put their hand on the opposition player. Giordano on Leon, Schwartz on Connor. I mean, nothing major. I wouldn't have called either one of those. But the ref called both of those. Yet, the tan of hit, he went directly at shore and ran him. It could have been charging. It certainly was interference possibly boarding and it was right in front of the referee and I was like how do you not call that penalty like he crushed Shore he blew him up Shore's laying on the ice staring up at the ref like I I, the puck I never had the puck Shore never touched the puck the puck never came to him Shore was standing behind the net and so that I agree with that that texter that was an absolutely horrific non-call that you would I those are the calls you make. You can sometimes forget or ignore when a guy grabs an arm that doesn't have anything to do with the play. You can't ignore when a guy gets blown up like that. Tony, the pizza boy, has a message as well. Hey, guys, best team we've had since the last time they went to the Stanley Cup final. I'm confused, though, because I feel we are barely 7-1. and one. A few games could have gone either way, despite the Oilers having a stacked team, in my opinion. Too many sloppy breakdown moments when I believe we can be a lot tighter. Calgary, for example, is pretty... This is this is Tony saying this. Calgary, for example, is pretty dang crappy on paper, but has had more definitive wins. Is this just me? Is this coaching? Is there a lack of leadership? Can you compare the success Calgary has had versus the Oilers, and what is the difference? Well, Tony's going deep. This is like a university <laughs> assignment. He says, overall, I can't complain. Uh, and he wraps up by saying that he hates Calgary and maybe he's being somewhat petty. Well, look, <laughs> the Oilers have had two or three games where maybe they haven't been the better team, but they've just simply had more talent and yep. or better goaltending mm-hmm. uh, and got the win. I, I agree. I, I, to me, I, I have a hard time complaining about a 7-1 start. I don't care how you get the 7-1 start. Uh, I, I don't watch as much hockey as I used to outside of the Oilers, but I've seen... Other teams that have 
helping good hockey clubs barely win and get fortunate in wins. And the, the reason that you see teams like Tampa every year, Boston, uh, teams of that ilk, they win games they don't al aren't always supposed to win because good teams know how to win. Lesser teams find a way to lose. Yeah. And right now the Oilers are a good team. They, they're a skilled team up front. I don't think they're as strong on the back end as they were last year yet. Uh, and their goaltending has been good. But they find ways to win because they are good. Uh, the Calgary Flames, I don't. I think they, they've got a good club. I think they underachieved last year. I think Sutter's come in and, and turned them into a much better defensive team. And they're getting strong goaltending. Now, I, I haven't seen a lot of Calgary games, but I've seen a couple of them where uh, Markstrom has been exceptional in the games, games that they were outshot and probably didn't deserve the fate they got. I hope Calgary has a great year. I really do. I hope Calgary's a playoff team this year because I want to watch the Oilers and Calgary play a seven-game series. Uh, I grew up in Edmonton when Calgary and Edmonton were playing every year in the playoffs. That's why you have a battle of Alberta because of those series. They, there wouldn't be a battle in Alberta if one team was in in the playoffs and the other team's consistently out of it. So I hope Calgary has a great year. I hope they meet in the playoffs at some point because that will be fun to be going to a Calgary-Edmonton series. So I have zero complaint about an Edmonton Oilers 7-1 start to the season. Are they a perfect team? No. But they've got seven wins in eight games. 5-2 the final tonight. So that means a $500 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given 100 bucks for every goal throughout the season. The total now up to $3,400. Okay, you can get us at 780-496-0063. That's the hotline for CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. We have Rocket standing by. Hey, Rocket, thanks for calling. Hey, yeah, thanks, and Rob, yeah, you, you nailed it. Like, uh, I'm looking at the standings right now, and Edmonton and Calgary are three and four in the NHL, right? Like, I know it's early, you know, sample size or whatever, but if this trend continues, that's going to be, you know, one hell of a playoffs. And I grew up watching all of them, too, like you, so born and raised in Edmonton, so uh, I know what that's all about. But uh, my question is about... When is uh, Koskinen going to get some love here? Like, you know, that tandem last year, like Bob Stoffer always talks about, they were eighth in the NHL, and yet again, Koskinen is, is filling in for, uh, you know, Mike Smith. Um, you know, too bad about the injury or whatever, but he had to, he, he had to step up again, just like last year, and, and uh, you know, warranted a shutout in the previous game. Unfortunately, he didn't get it, but... Um, you know, again, puts up, uh, you know, another, you know, two goals against performance. Granted, not as many shots, but, uh, you know, they get the win, like Tippett said, and, and he's been steady. So when does this guy start getting more love with the contract? And is this a, a real opportunity for Koskinen to maybe step in as a number one? Well, I, I don't know about stepping in as a number one. I do believe Koskinen's trying to extend his NHL career. His contract is up at the end of this season. The, the, the thing is, the Oilers are 7-1 and one on the season. Koskinen, I believe, is 5-1. and one. Is he not, Reid? Yep. So as great a start as the Oilers have had, it, it has been on the back of Mikko Koskinen. He's had five really good starts out of six games. So he is your backup goaltender that's 5-1 and one on the season. He had an yeah. off game against Philadelphia. So I 
that's why Bob asked, who would I play next game? Uh, to me, it's it's Koskinen. He deserves to play the way he's playing. Yeah, I agree, and it just seems like to me he just doesn't get enough love. You know, like in the city, it's almost like everybody's waiting for his contract to end so they can move on to another goaltender. But is that the right move? Well, I think it's we're a long ways away from that. I, I do believe that... Uh, Koskinen is playing for a contract, whether it be a contract in Edmonton again or elsewhere. But he understands it was not a great season for him last year. His contract is over at the end of this year. And he he doesn't know, and, and going into the season, he wouldn't have known how many starts he was going to get. Mike Smith was the starter. If Mike Smith had stayed healthy, uh, it might have been 25, 30 starts for Miko Koskinen. And it so he, when he gets his chance, he has to be very good. So because his sample size may have been smaller for whoever was going to make the decision for him to sign next year, but he's been given an opportunity and he's been excellent in five of the six games. Well, personally, I think it's a nice opportunity for Koskinen, and every time they get a win, it's even better. And then when you get Mike Smith, you get Mike Smith. Yeah, appreciate it, Rocket. Let's go down to the Oilers Hall of Fame room and hear from Miko Koskinen along with Kyler Yamamoto. He does. Um, you know, anytime you start the season, thought of going the first seven seasons, you start to worry a little bit. Um, you guys were really good, though. Um, they were telling me it's coming, and you know, finally it came. Um, the goal, honestly, was just a really good pass by Drat, and um, you know, kind of got a partial breakaway, and um, you know, found the five hole. What uh, What was the coaching staff saying to you about? You know, the fact that you hadn't scored, but, uh, you know, what was the messaging from the staff about what they were seeing from you and what they wanted from you? Um, you know, the first couple games, um, you know, myself included, I wasn't happy with it. Um, you know, over the last couple games, uh, you know, I thought I've definitely played a lot better hockey. Um, you know, but they were just telling me to get to net um, and keep shooting. Um, you know, eventually it'll come and, um, you know, tonight it finally came. Uh, Miko, you had a, a few. Oh, just sorry, right here. Uh, a few big, big stops on on quality chances tonight. Uh, coming off of a game where you nearly had a shutout, how have you felt the way you you played the last couple of games, especially? Uh, I don't know today. I felt like I I wasn't as sharp what I what I can be, but I got lucky a couple of times and uh, we got the big win. So that's all all what matters in the end. Kyler, just how would, you, how would you say your your goaltender played tonight? Oh, he was phenomenal. Um, you know, between the pipes, um, he made a lot of big saves um, at a lot of crucial times. So, um, yeah, I thought he played really well tonight. Miko, just in the back here, you seem like you're really in a rhythm right now with how you're playing right now. Now, I know you mentioned that you probably wanted a couple of back last week in Philadelphia. Can you talk about the mindset of staying strong mentally and coming back with back-to-back -back performances in which you played really well? Uh, it's pretty easy. Like I said before the season start, I just want to have uh, fun no matter what happens. I try to keep fun on the ice and... Uh, yeah, that's the mindset what I have, and uh, try to try to keep doing that. Kyler, after your goal, the celebrations uh, were pretty big on the bench, and Drat uh, smacking your butt with the stick pretty hard. Can you talk about the celebrations and what that means to you? Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, just being able to go in that huddle, and um, you know, all those guys are rooting for me to score. Um, you know, it just means a lot, and especially you guys on the bench. Um, yeah, it just means a lot, honestly. Tyler, what was it like to go up against uh, Adam Larson tonight? It seemed like, you know, there were a few interactions between uh, you guys and, and him. Um, what, tell me a little bit about that. 
No, he's a good player, um, funny player, but, you know, he plays hard um, between the whistles. Um, you know, he's a really good player. Um, you know, we miss him on this team a lot. A good guy. Um, but, yeah, he's a hard player to play against. Uh, there was a little bit of talk this morning about, you know, having a different second pair with, with Larson gone. What, what, what have you seen from, um, from Keith and, and CeCe in, in his absence this year? They're just steady with the puck. Um, you know, they, they know when to make the right play at the right time. Um, you know, they're really good in the D zone, um, you know, block a lot of shots. So um, those are most of the things that I've taken away. And, um, you know, they've been playing very well this season. A little bit there from Kyler Yamamoto, who gets his first of the season, and Miko Koskinen, who makes 27 saves. He's 5-1 and one as the Oilers beat Seattle 5-2. Nick in a barn types in. He's getting good good service in the barn if he can text us. He says, we, we all thought Jesse Pugliarvi was going to be traded. He didn't. It turned out pretty good. Wouldn't it be something if Miko re-signed at a better number after a good season? And he says, go Kyler and go Oilers. And Katie K writes in, who says, people need to calm down regarding Calgary. They are getting more wins above what is expected solely due to Markstrom, and their offense is also performing above average. Similar to last year, Calgary is riding a hot streak that will come crashing down, and they'll be back fighting for a playoff spot. Their forwards aren't good, and their defense is inexperienced. Be patient with the Flames, and the real pretenders will come to light. Well, first of all, KDK, you are in midseason form with the trash talk towards <laughs> Calgary. I mean, look, Markstrom could be the, their story for the season. Um, I, I do think we'll see how their defense goes. I, I mean, they mm-hmm. lost Giordano. We saw them here, obviously, the other night. But again, I, I mean, they're banking wins. And yep. you can't, you know, I, I get it. And, and we, you know, you, we hear from Oilers fans, well, what's going to happen when they play Boston, you know, Minnesota, whoever, like pick a team that's supposed to be really good. And, yeah, I, I get it. But I, if, if you're playing teams you should beat, and even if you don't play great, then still – bank the points so i mean it, that's it's still going to help calgary at some point in the season that they're six one and one oh uh, it, absolutely it will and because at some point whether it's poor play bad bounces injuries you go through a stretch where things don't go your way and it's much easier to go through that stretch if you start six one six one and one on the season or the oilers case six and one um uh, the calgary flames went out and got marks from to be a difference maker Things didn't go as he had planned last year or the team had planned in Calgary. But it has to start this season. I, what, I watched the game the other night, the end of one, and he had three out of his last four games he's had shutouts. And that Sutter plays a, a strong defensive type of game. The, the first game of the season that the Oilers played the Flames, when they played each other, the Flames played very well and were uh, controlling the play until Anderson took two, stu- stupid spen- uh, two stupid penalties, which changed the way the game went. So uh, Calgary... In this division, I believe Calgary should be a playoff team. I think Vegas, uh, once they get healthy, are, are a team that will be in the playoffs, and it will be the Edmonton Oilers. So, uh, yeah, these these points right now are just as important, as important, if maybe not, maybe even more important than the ones you have at the end of the season, because they're already in the bank. So, it's a good start for the two Alberta teams this year. Roadhammer says the only thing that doesn't suck about Calgary is the fact that I get the 630 Ched radio signal there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We're getting some good ones tonight. Oilers win 5-2. We'll go back to the Certainty hotline, and we have Frank ready to chat. Hey, Frank, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Thanks, guys. I hope everything's going well. Love the Oilers' Indigenous celebration tonight. they got to be given kudos for that. 
And uh, that that new little crest that they had, I thought they were going to incorporate it in the uniform somewhere. Probably would make a great uh, shoulder patch. I also love the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They got that stylized W as well. My only comment on the game is that uh, Mike Smith is not a young man. He's going to probably get hurt again before the end of the season. And they're going to have to have uh, at least two goaltenders that are ready to go at any point in time. And uh, they're going to have to plan for it. I think the Oilers are still playing some of their stars way too long, too early in the season. And uh, that's one thing that uh, the coaching staff is going to have to correct if we want to go deep into the playoffs this year. Thanks, Frank. I'm glad he brought up the Indigenous celebration before the game. I thought it was excellent. I agree. Very good. Mm-hmm. Some great performances. The the national anthem was in a combination of Cree and English. And uh, she did a wonderful job. Did a wonderful yes. job. Uh, I the the logo was very good. Mm-hmm. We were hoping to get the designer on the face-off show, but I know he was busy with some stuff uh, with the ceremonies before the game, so we just missed uh, getting him on. Yeah, it might look neat. I, I don't know what I'd have to double check. Like there are some you can't just change your jersey every game, right? Like you you still kind of have to get some approval, approval from the yes. from the NHL. But yeah, it looked very it looked excellent. Yeah, they they showed it on the big screen a few times. It looked really really cool. So and then they actually had it on the ice spinning around. It it was neat. And yeah, everything they did tonight was was top notch. Good on everyone that was part of that. Yeah, the goaltending. Frank brought that up. I mean, that could be one to watch. We'll see how it goes. And again, we we referenced this after all after almost every show though. It'll become more of a topic later on in the season. Ken Holland has said, hey, if the orders are good, it could be a go-for-it year mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. I, I know what Frank said. Well, he's playing some of the stars too much. Um, I mean, I'll say this I'll say this back to you, Frank. I, I, uh, generally, I don't think that applies to McDavid and Dreisaitl. Th- they can handle the ice time. And Dave Tippett has said it numerous times. They want to play. Like, they mm-hmm. know they're the leaders on the team. They they want the responsibility. Well, and I, in all honesty, and I, I've been around the game now for 40 years, it seems like, and I have never seen two players that can play as much as Connor and Leon do without tiring. Like, we've seen them over the last number of years have four-minute shifts, five-minute shifts, where they look just as fresh at the end of the shift as they did at the beginning. And it's amazing. The only player that I've ever played with that has the type of stamina that those guys have was Chris Chelios. He was the exact same, where he could go forever, and it 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 didn't seem to affect him. Me, if I'm if I'm at a minute ten, I need an oxygen tank to get me off the ice. But these guys, at their speed, they're still going full speed, and that's what makes them so effective as players. When shifts get extended. The opposition tires, and they just get stronger, and it, the mismatch becomes even bigger between their skill level and the players they're playing against. Now, Dave Tippett would love, love to have them play at a, a certain number over the course of the year. I don't know if that's 20 minutes a night, 21, 19 and a half, whatever it is. Unfortunately for Dave Tippett, there's some nights that he needs his players, his star players, to play more. Right now, the, the Oilers' schedule has been fairly easy to start the season it's going to get tougher uh and when it does well then he might have to manage their ice time a little bit more but again i've never seen two players that can continue to play the big minutes they do and not have a drop off at all in their play well yager played a lot but he just wouldn't go off the ice uh, yeah and well yager did but yager he would tire and yager 
he would get stationary when when he get tired on the ice and he wouldn't move his feet as much as these guys. These guys are going nonstop. Like Connor McDavid is is stupid. How fast he can go f- and, and not tired. Like it'll be a three and a half minute shift, and he'll go end to end, and no one can catch him. So uh, it's a testament. And Dave Tippett talks about it all the time. The hardest working players off the ice, in the training room, in practice, and in games, are the other star players. Leon, Connor and Darnell Nurse. And when you have that kind of leadership working that hard, it is very hard for any other player not to bring their best effort in all of those situations because their star players are doing it. A couple other games in the NHL. Chicago finally getting its first win of the season, 5-1 over the Senators. Also, the Lightning knock off the Capitals, 3-2. The scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Oil Kings are home tomorrow, right here at Rogers Place, 7 o'clock against Lethbridge. Monday Night Football, Chiefs beat the Giants 2017 in the NBA. The Raptors knocked off the Knicks 113-104. We have the certain Hotline, and we have Kevin standing by. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for calling. Go hey, ahead. guys. How you, hey, boys. How you doing tonight? Very good. Uh, good. I just wanted to say, did you, again, when you when you guys are reporting on the hockey game, did you see the interaction between Larson and McDavid tonight when the game was over? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I... Yeah, and uh, anyways, it's, uh, um, I think uh, Larson's, again, like his father passed away, like, um, but you could tell he missed Edmonton. Agreed. Does he miss Edmonton? Well, that I can't speak for him. I everything he said, he enjoyed his time here. Yes. And exactly. he's Thank you. he's got a bunch of good friends on this team. When you when you battle with your teammates for a number of years, you you form friendships that are stronger than just teammates. And everything that I've heard from the players talking about him, he's missed. He was a big part of this team. And the others, uh, it. it it hurt when he didn't re-sign here because he would have made this team better. Having said that, uh, this is part of the National Hockey League. Players move on, and you wish them the well. So I've, Darnell Nurse talked about it before the game, that they are very, very good friends until they put their jerseys on, and then they'll be friends after the game again. I, I, I don't know if it's exactly what Kevin is referring to. I, I did see some people posting a little bit of video of McDavid and Larson kind of smiling at each other after play. Rob, also, did you see, it was in the first period, the uh, Vince, I think it was Vince Dunn, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, what happened? Oh, that was the, the, fun. So Ryan, yes. the, the loop of Ryan Nugent Hopkins' skate lace somehow went over the back of Dunn's skate and then obviously filtered down, so they were joined together. Oh, it was funny because uh, they were battling in front of the net, and all of a sudden, Nuge tried going to retrieve a puck and kind of stumbled and then got up tried to do it again and they both looked down at the same time and it was almost like when you uh, you go you and your kids go to a like the three-legged three-legged race. race you go to one of those outdoor parties and at a barbecue and you tie up your legs and you've got three legs and you start running down the, the the field well that's what it was exactly like the ref had to come and the ref actually struggled to get it off it was tight on there and it's funny and then about later a little later in the game Koskinen his pad got hooked on I think it was Domsky's Uh, pants, and he was stuck. So they were stuck together. It was an odd night that way. One thing I did notice in the game and I thought was funny, Leon Dreisaitl is a big man. When he's on the ice, he uh, usually has a... uh, He's usually the bigger man when he's in a battle. Tonight, he skated by uh, Alexiak, 
And it's a, it, it looks like he looked like Yamamoto beside <laughs> Chara. I mean, that Alexiak is a monster because he made Leon look little. And Leon does not is not a little man, and nor does he look little very often. That Alexiak, who is the second best athlete in his family, he uh, he is a, certainly a, a large dude out there. All right, the Oilers take it 5-2. Big night for Leon Dreisaitl, four points. Duncan Keith plays career game number 1,200, and he scores. You'll hear from both of those gentlemen coming up on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Long pass up to Nugent Hopkins. In over the Seattle line, cross ice to Hyman in front of the net. Leon Dreisaitl with a power play goal. He scored twice tonight. The Oilers' power play, by the way, one for three, so its percentage is actually going to go down for the season. Dreisaitl, two goals, two assists. Duncan Keith also scores. Here they are. Yeah, Duncan, yeah. Um, for the land acknowledgement for your team, how important is it for the land acknowledgement, and what's your perspective on that? Well, I think that uh, it's important for, for truth and reconciliation for for the indigenous people um, and everybody, really. Um, I grew up in Fort Francis, Ontario, and uh, I had a lot of friends that were Native Americans and really close with a lot of those guys and uh, all great people. And I brought the Stanley Cup one time back to Kuchiching uh, Native Reserve. Um, and... Uh, we, uh, we had a little celebration there, very memorable times, but, you know, um, I just think that, you know, we, we uh, as, a, as a nation, as a, for Indigenous people, uh, you know, we have to understand that, uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of pain there, too, that uh, we need to acknowledge, and um, it's nice to see that uh, ceremony tonight. Duncan, a couple of milestones for you tonight, your 1,200th NHL game and your first goal in an Oilers uniform. This being the first time that you switched teams in your career, how big is it for you personally to get your first goal under your belt with the new club? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, a couple of good players there with the assists, so, you know, it was pretty special. Um, but just, you know, to get the win for, for sure, obviously, uh, I don't think it was our, our best game overall, but, you know, good teams find a way to win, and, and we did that tonight. And, you know, just uh, proud and, and uh, you know, grateful to, to be a part of this organization. They've been welcoming since day one. This guy was the first guy to give me a call, a text, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, you always remember things like that, and uh, it just shows the leadership that, that they got in this room here, and uh, it's uh, just glad to be a part of it. I have a question for you, Leon, but just to kind of piggyback on that, uh, Duncan, I was in the hallway when you were talking to Leon about the puck, saying from 29 to 97, how cool is it to have those two guys on a milestone puck for you? Yeah, it is. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really think too much about milestones, but maybe as you get a little bit older, you kind of appreciate those a bit. But, uh, you know, they're pretty good players. they got a, two Hart Trophy winners and uh, with the assists, so it's, it's going to be a special plaque for sure. Uh, Leon, your uh, line mate, Yamamoto, gets on the board for the first time this season. Just talk about how big that is because the celebration looked pretty big on the bench. You gave him a pretty big tap after the goal. Uh, how well does that bode for your club? Yeah, it's big. Uh, he, he's a big part of our group, you know, and it's 
Um, it's tough to see teammates go through slumps like that, if, if, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, we've all been there. It's, it's tough. Um, he works so hard, uh, you know, each and every day. And, um, you know, lately he's been playing better and better, and, and he's been getting a few looks, and they're not going in. And, and it's very easy to get frustrated, right? But um, he's, been, he's been sticking with it, so this is, this is awesome for him. It's great to see, and um, hopefully this, this opens the floodgates a little bit for him. <laughs> Uh, Leon Duncan just acknowledged that maybe it wasn't your, your best game as a team. Still won. You won 2-1 the, the other night. You're finding different ways to, to pull out victories. What does that say about this team? Uh, I think it, it speaks... Uh I guess the depth of our group uh, that we can win in, in different ways. We can win on the power play. We can win special teams in general. Our goalie can steal one. Um, defensemen are chipping in. Uh, our third line has won us games. So um, there's all types of different different ways that we can we can win a game. And um, you know that's a pretty uh, yeah. I, I guess that's a pretty um, pretty great asset to have in a team. What do you think of your, there was a little bit of talk this morning, obviously, Adam Larson not being here. Now you have a, a different second pair uh, with, with uh, Duncan and, uh, and Cody Cece, of course. What do you think of the way that they've played here and how they've contributed? I think they've been great. Um, I mean, obviously, we lost a great human being and a, and a great player in Lars. We all know that. Um, you know, we, we all miss him, of course, but that's that's the way hockey works. But um, we're very lucky and, and fortunate to have two guys that are very solid. Um, I think those two, they've been great every game since they since they've been here so um you know it's it's great to see Dunkey um you know get a goal tonight obviously it's it's his first one here so that's that's special to be to be a part of and uh hopefully sees us getting one soon too and after you scored your first goal you looked up at the video monitor a few times did you mean to to kind of deflect it that way or how did that kind of go in uh i'd be lying if i said i'd try to do that um that was uh very lucky but i'll take it uh, Duncan, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk to you since Kyle Beach did a, a public interview, identified himself as, as John Doe. I just, I just wanted to get your reaction if you had a chance to see that interview and just what sentiment you have towards Kyle as a result of that. Yeah, it was, uh, I watched the interview. Uh, it was obviously heartbreaking. Um, you know, it, uh, it was tough to watch. Um, you, you, you feel compassion for Kyle. Um, and, you know, uh, it's tough to imagine the pain that uh, he's, he's going through now. Um, obviously, you know, the, the courage that he showed and uh, um, being able to speak about it. And, you know, it's just so much admiration for him. And, uh, you know, I hope he's, he's able to, to find some peace uh, if he hasn't already. Uh, but, um, you know, just like I said, it was... Uh, my heart, heart goes out to him. Yeah, I know you were asked to be part of the investigation. Uh, we're given the option by the PA uh, when they asked you. You decided not to. Um, can you let us in on your reasons for that? And and in hindsight, is that something that you would do differently if you could? I think for sure. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, it it happened. Uh, it was a blur. I got uh, I got a phone call the next the morning after I was traded, and I don't even really remember the call. I was getting so many calls, um, and you know, if I could do it over again, I would. I have a lot of there's a lot of emotions going through a trade. Um, you know, I spent 20 years in that organization, and um, you know, certainly. Uh, 
I was, uh, you know, excited to be an oiler, but, you know, there's still a lot of mixed emotions with a trade and, and uh, you know, uh, I guess if I could go back, I would do it. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, my, my feeling was that uh, I, I couldn't, I didn't have anything to give, so I didn't think it would, uh, it would help. But, you know, I, I should have, I should have sat there for the interview. That is Duncan Keith on the game and a little reaction to Kyle Beach being identified as John Doe last week. Leon Dreisaitl was speaking there as well. He leads the way tonight, two goals and two assists. Miko Koskinen solid again, 27 saves. He's 5-1 on the season. The Oilers beat the Seattle Kraken 5-2. Get more on this game on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Remember, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have Inside Sports from 6 to 8, a new regular guest we're going to have on Inside Sports. Craig McTavish will join me tomorrow night at 6.30. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at 630 Ched. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers take it 5-2. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.